podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Night fans, so sorry you missed the live show, but this replay is brought to you by Gordon and Partners. Gordon and Partners are dedicated to the pursuit of justice for those who've been wrongfully injured at no fault of their own. It's important that you get legal advice directly from somebody you trust, which in our case is Michael Hoffman, a UCF alum. Contact Michael directly at 407-913-5350 or visit the website fortheinjured.com. Don't just trust anybody. Trust a fellow knight. Trust Gordon and Partners for the injured. Night Nation, Trace Foco here. Welcome into the Sons of UCF Live. Joining me this week, Adam, no Mike. Hello, Adam. No, no, no Mike this week. Hello, Trace. Just like UCF basketball, hoping to survive in advance through this show. That's our that's our goal for this evening. <laughs> uh, is it that Mike doesn't show when Johnny Dawkins and the team record their 18th victory? Uh, a 76-70 yeah. win in the first round over yeah. SMU. The Knights move on now. To face Memphis, and that's where we begin. Uh, they they had to fight back in this one. They were down at the half, 36-28. And of course, things started off sluggishly for the Knights uh, at the old Horton. He ends up with 15, Adam. He had zero at the half. <laughs> and you know you're going to need some contributions from him. C.J. Kelly with 21 led the Knights. So uh, they did what they needed to do, uh, as you mentioned, to survive in advance. Yeah, another slow start, a head-scratching start. Obviously, a couple of self-inflicted wounds and some early buckets that you, you think you normally would score those, and we had some trouble early on. Seemed like a lid on the basket for, for us. Seemed a little sluggish, I guess, Trace. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say they weren't prepared or weren't ready, but seemed like they are going through the motions a little bit. Um, and we saw, obviously, second half was a different story. But um, here's the thing with this team. We've seen it all year long. They're, they're helter-skelter, you know, from, from half to half, from game to game. You don't really know what you're going to get. Um, I like that you have some veteran leadership on this team. I like you have Athiel Horton and CJ Kelly, veteran guys. Every time the, the March calendar comes around, people always say veteran guard play is usually what helps the team propel itself into a deep run. We've got some veteran guard play, but it's always helter-skelter. They don't make it easy, but we get the win, and, and that's really the, the goal, although it probably could have been easier, probably should have been easier than that, but you got to take the win in these times of year, and, and, and to your point, we move on to Memphis, which is going to be a – whole interesting you know matchup all of it itself i think we've what four points total have separated ucf and memphis in the first two games so you don't know what to expect when that comes around but surviving advance i mean it's not the way i would have liked to have seen us do it but i'm not going to argue with the result in the week you know something though that you've talked about in particular is that they find ways right and we were on live last week when they found another way to lose a game and you wonder whether that gets into their heads. And here, this was close late, and then they went on a run late. Uh, you mentioned veteran presence of C.J. Kelly, 80% free throw shooter. He hit several down the stretch, six of six on the day, and route to the 21 points. So when they needed to, they closed this one out, and that's a good sign heading into the next day. 
I, I hope so, Trace, but we've seen this so much. Like, I don't know that you can take one game and then compare it to the next, right? UCF has been so up and down that I don't know that you can look at this game and say, oh my goodness, the sky is falling. Uh, we can't win. Or I don't know if you can look at this game and go, hey, wow, we pulled it out. Now we're ready. Like, this has been such a helter-skelter team from game to game. I don't know what you take from this one to, to Memphis other than it's a, it's a new day, a new contest, and hopefully we're, we're more prepared and we, we start a little bit better, a little faster. But I can't. I haven't seen anything this year that allows me to go, hey, I saw this in game one, so I know I'll see this again in game two. I haven't seen that consistency. Now, could we come out and play really well against Memphis? Sure. Have we done it before? Yeah, but I don't. I didn't see anything in Memphis in SMU that says, hey, I know we're going to carry this over to, to Memphis because we just haven't really been that consistent all year. Well, and you know, I've talked about this where I asked Coach Dawkins in a post game a couple of weeks ago, you keep saying that you're going to play your best basketball. When, when is that going to happen? Right. And he said that that best basketball, you know, it's, it's coming, it's coming. And, and of course, we were live last week when they, they lost there at the end. And you, you still question that. So if, in fact, he's right, then that best basketball, is it today? Is it tomorrow? They're going to have to play better than they did today. In the post game, I asked Coach Dawkins uh, to talk about that slow start off the top and then getting behind as much as 13. They had to keep battling back until they were able to close things out. Well, in this one, Trace, to be quite frank, I thought we got some really good looks to start the game. I thought our first three to five shots were really good shots, shots that we really wanted. It just didn't go. I mean, it's going to be like that some nights. And uh, I'm glad our guys, you know, when we came to the timeout, we just talked about, don't worry, the offense is running well. We're getting good looks. The thing we have to do is we have to just settle into the game. It's a long game and just keep defending. And that's what we were preaching, you know, through a lot of the timeouts because we saw the shot selection and, and the shots we were getting you know, we felt good with a lot of them. So it's one of those things where I get off to a better start. Just need to see the ball going a little more earlier in a game like this. And uh, and that will happen. You know, in the, uh, the beating of SMU earlier in the season, their only matchup in Orlando, SMU held to just 19 rebounds. They had matched that total with time left in the first half and out-rebounded the Knights. That can't happen. Uh, if you hope to continue what now needs to be four games in four days, if you hope to win an American Athletic Conference championship and uh, that NCAA tournament bid. So, you know, you can't you can't get out rebounded like they have and did today uh, and expect to do well. Yeah, I mean, it, it, with close games like this, especially in March, Trace, it's the little things, right? It's the 50-50 balls, it's the rebound, it's the blockouts, it's the charge, block calls, it's things like that will that will decide games. Um, and and look, here's the reality. is We we thought we were better than SMU, and they came out, and they, they seemed to stun us a little bit, and, and luckily our talent shone through. So hopefully we can continue to do that. I hate to I think uh, JP Gilbert made fun of me and said I was I was having the hopium this week because you see the pieces that are there, the hopium, you see the pieces that are there and you say to yourself, man, if we can just put this all together for two or three games, we have something right. There are things that you can be excited about. I know we we sort of do that, you know, that joke, the best basketball is in front of us. But I do think there's an element of looking at the roster we have, what's in front of us and saying, hey, we have the ability to play well. Now, Houston will be a whole different story. So let's not get started there just yet. But they have the people. Pieces, if we can get some consistency, if we can get a little bit more um, just sense of urgency, maybe I'll say at times, I feel like that's a little bit of what this team's missing. But Johnny said something I do agree with. Uh, you know, SMU was was not a better team. We were a better team than SMU. I think that's pretty clear. But and and we and, and we come out with the win. I haven't seen uh, too many teams that I looked at outside of maybe Houston and and I don't even know Memphis that I look at and say this team is just flat out better than us. 
for the games we've lost, Trace, I don't know if you disagree with this. A lot of them we've done to ourselves, right? We've shot ourselves in the foot. We've made some 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 silly penalties or fouls, mistakes, whatever. You know, we haven't been the sharpest team. Houston, really the only team that you look at and go, okay, they're head and shoulders better than us. But we can play with anybody if we're prepared, if we're ready, if we're motivated, if we're, you know, if we're, we're on our game. But you just don't know week to week, game to game, if we're actually going to be that team at that point in time. Well, certainly Houston's the class in this league and Tulsa the doormat in this league and then kind of everybody in between, right? Maybe not SMU on most nights, but everybody else is kind of bunched up. Uh, you could say, and I know it's a point that Mike likes to make when you know fans say, well, they lost so many games close. They also won games close, right? So there's opportunity there with Memphis that they could have won both of those games. Yeah, They could have also, right? Lost both of those lost games, yeah, for sure. you know, and, and so there's a lot of those, even in the wins, uh, they were close wins. The, the talent is there. You know, in this game, UCF just zero of two from the free throw line in the first half. They got to the line a lot more in the second half, uh, finishing 12 of 16. So that's something else to look to uh, here. Interesting in this one, uh, Taylor Hendricks with uh, 15 points, 10 in the first half. So he cooled a little bit in the second half. Yeah, I mean, I was curious to see. Obviously, I think we'll talk about this at some point in the rundown. He he was snubbed this week for the uh, the American Conference Freshman of the Year, even though he won the uh, the weekly award nine times. So I think there was some hope from a lot of us that he would come out with a little bit of fire, a little bit of a little bit of attitude, a little bit of edge to him. And you saw that in the first half. Um, again, he he's kind of done this in, in spots though, Trace this year. He's disappeared for stretches of time offensively. Um, and I don't know if it's because we're not running plays for him or just the, the way that the offense is running, but he's disappeared for stretches of time, but um, he's still obviously a, a solid player. Um, and I think, you know, I think his ba- best basketball is in front of us, right? I think he has the ability to have his best basketball in front of us. What better time to do it now and in a conference seating like this in a setting where he has the ability to go out with what we all assume may be his last times in a UCF uniform, you know, go out at least with a, with a bang and, and try to get us to that championship game on Sunday. You know, you mentioned that uh, not the AAC freshman of the year, in spite of winning nine times a record, AAC freshman of the week. He's, of course, on the all-freshman team, uh, second team Uh, all-conference. You know, he was asked about it, and he handled it as he has throughout the year. I'll tell you, it's something that I noticed in preseason and the media day. He's very composed. He handles himself well. You don't sense he's nervous on camera or at the mic. Now he's a little robotic in his answers, and it's hard to shake him and get much out of him uh, beyond the, you know, they need to play the type of defense that they expect to play. And, you know, those sound bites that you hear from him. But uh, he took that in stride and said, you know, uh, the winner deserving uh, either way it would have gone, uh, you know, would have been fair. And, and that he knows he's had a good season. So uh, he handled himself well in being asked that question in the postgame. Yeah, I don't understand the, the voting. I think this is a situation where the voters just voted for the name on the front of the jersey. Right. They saw Houston and said, oh, Houston's a great team. So, you know, they I think swept they all the awards, all six awards. Right. So <laughs> yeah. I think it's something they just looked at the front of the jersey versus the back of the jersey. I think, you know, not that Walker is not a great player, but I think, you know, each week, you know, the conference is saying that, you know, Taylor Hendricks is the best player. Um, so that I just assume that's, you know, just the the ability for the coaches to go, oh, well, Houston's the best team. So let me just vote everybody from Houston. That that was that was ridiculous. But again, we still have a little bit of run here with Taylor. So I think I saw Dolly had a comment that he saw a little bit of a, a little bit of dog uh, 
um, in uh, in Hendricks, right? And I think that's the part we want to see, right? He's, you know, to your point, he's he's a very nice kid. It seems like a really, um, you know, mature, well put together kid. At some point, we do want to see him. Does he have that streak where he's going to just take over and put the team on his back? It's a lot to ask a true freshman, but if there's ever time to do it, this could be the time. So. I mean, I, I hate to, you know, continue to drink the hopium on this one, but I mean, there's there's cautious optimism. To your point, UCF and Memphis were were one play here, one play there, and and that's kind of been UCF season outside of Memphis, or outside of Houston rather. I think, particularly with Memphis, we win these games in the margins, right? It's a block charge call. It's a it's a rebound at the end. It's you know, it's taking a foul. It's making free throws. That's where we're going to win these games in the margins. Hopefully, UCF has the ability to do that again when we play Memphis for the third time on uh, on Friday. But again, from game to game, I couldn't tell you what to expect from this basketball team. Well, let's uh, talk a little bit about Memphis. By the way, one more statistic. I want to credit Christian Simmons for this one. He posted on his Twitter uh, after the game. Just the 14th time in the last 40 years, the Knights have won 18 or more games in a season, and five of those times have come under Johnny Dawkins. So if they hope to get to a 19th, they're going to have to beat Memphis. Last three outs, all been at the hands of Memphis. And if I'm not mistaken, UCF has never won more than one game in the conference tournament while being a part of the Americans. So we know what the task is there. It was a heck of a game. Most exciting game of the year was that double overtime, 107-104 win by UCF in Orlando. And in that one, Kendrick Davis with 42 points. Now, UCF, this is a seize the moment uh, there. We're at Memphis. Remember, he turned his ankle, and he left that game early. And UCF had that one. Uh, until they turned the ball over with a few seconds remaining in the game. And, you know, Dolly's comment made me think of something. It's been kind of a reoccurring theme on your podcast where you're talking to the nicest guy in the world, Anthony Montalvo. And (laughs) right. You you were talking about our top five. Who's our top? You know, Johnny Dawkins is a nice guy and Taylor Hendricks is a nice guy. And Dolly used that phrase, a little bit of dog in him. Maybe we need to see some more of that flash there of not, you know, anger, but, uh, seizing uh the the game and, and and as you said it's it's hard for a true freshman to to carry the team but god you got just got to keep feeding him the ball today ithiel horton cold 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 shooting you know he couldn't hit anything and uh and cj kelly really carried him uh and, and darius johnson got lost uh, especially in that second half yeah, Ithiel has not shot the ball well on the road. Hopefully playing one game, you know, uh, th- today and, you know, he's got familiarity for tomorrow's game. Maybe that'll help a little bit because he has not shot the ball well on the road. But look, as a true freshman, you can tell at times that that Taylor's a little deferential to some of his teammates. You know what I mean? And I think to, to your point, this could be the opportunity to put the team on his back, you know, to, to make the plays, be more aggressive offensively. He's always super aggressive defensively, but be, be more aggressive offensively. But even that Memphis game, going back to that for a second, Trace, obviously we have the late turnover. We still had a shot at the rim, at the buzzer, right? Now there was contact, could have been a foul, right? But we got all the way back down the court, still had a shot at the rim to win that one. So, this has been a really uh, tight matchup this year. So, again, I don't know what to expect in this one, but I would love to see a Taylor Hendricks breakout game. I'd love to see a nice little 30-point, you know, 15-rebound kind of performance out of Taylor Hendricks tomorrow. That would be, um, as Dolly says, getting the dog out. That would be bringing the dog out if I can get 30 to 15 out of Taylor tomorrow. So I kind of thought ahead in the show rundown this week and said, all right, so if UCF play, beats SMU, they're going to play Memphis. So I reached out to the beat writer for the Daily Memphian, uh, who we anticipated being with us live. And then he messaged me late in the afternoon saying he's got flight delays and now he's going to be on the plane 
and not able to join us live. So we scrambled and I was able to interview him over Zoom uh, prior to him heading off to the airport. Uh, so he's gonna give us a little bit more on the Memphis Tigers season and uh, you know what the Knights uh, look to face on Friday night. Now move on to face the Memphis Tigers, uh, which they split a pair of games during the season. Let's learn a little bit more about the Tigers and bring in our first guest of the evening. He is Parth Upathayai, a Memphis Tiger beat writer for the Daily Memphian. Parth, thanks for being with us on Sons of UCF Live. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, let's talk about the Tigers. Uh, 23 wins on the season, 13 and five, second seed. How would you capsulize the season as a whole? Yeah, I think if you had asked most Tigers fans before the season, right, you present these numbers, you say, hey, they're 24 and uh, 24 and eight, 13 and five in conference. I think everybody in the city of Memphis or most folks would have taken that, right, given this roster, given that the fact that there's not you know, five stars. There's not James Wiseman, Jalen Duren. There's not those kinds of players on this team. Granted, you've got Kendrick Davis, but you've got a whole lot of, you know, guys who were role players last year at different different conferences, different teams. Um, I, I would say that the non-conference kind of set high expectations. You know, you go through SEC teams, you're four and one um, with the only loss in the SEC to Alabama, at Alabama by three points. And then they stumbled a little bit, right? They had that double overtime loss at UCF. They got swept by by Tulane. Um, you know, you you lose close ones to, to Houston twice. I think that has been a little bit of a disappointment, but they've definitely kind of uh, regained ground and, and uh, have momentum heading into Fort Worth. Yeah, let's talk about those two games with UCF. Tale of two different games. Kendrick Davis, the big standout and star in that double overtime game, a win by UCF and Orlando. And then he left the game early in Memphis. It's a game UCF really was in a position to steal, and they let get away there in the final seconds. Absolutely. I think, you know, that game just flipped, right, on its head. As soon as Kendrick Davis went out with that ankle injury late in the first half, um, the Tigers turned the ball over, I think, 16 times in that second half. They didn't have a point guard out there. Um, and UCF is one of the better teams in the country, in my opinion, you know, at turning teams over. I believe they're in the top 50 um, in forced turnover. So that's kind of where they thrive, despite the ups and downs in the night season. Um, and you saw them take full advantage, obviously couldn't close, you know, couldn't seal the deal there in Memphis. But um, you saw that gap close very quickly from being down 15 for the Knights to, you know, I think they actually they led, if I'm not mistaken, that last five minutes for a little bit there. Yeah, and you, you mentioned earlier you didn't see stars on this team beyond Kendrick Davis, but DeAndre Williams, uh, first-team all-conference uh, along with Absolutely. Davis. Absolutely. I think what I meant by that is like the kind of stereotypical NBA lottery pick type guys that Penny Hardaway's gotten year after year seemingly, you know, whether it be Precious Osua or James Wiseman or Jalen Duren, you know, that list kind of – Imani Bates, the list kind of goes on and on, whereas this year he tried a, a completely different model. You know, he ripped that in half and said, hey, um, these 17-, 18-year-olds are – at times causing too much drama and it's hard to, you know, kind of massage and balance these personalities. Let's go get, let's go get Kendrick Davis, obviously a star. We got DeAndre Williams, who we hope will take the next step and he has, and then let's build around them with a bunch of role players. We don't know if it'll work or not, but let's go get some veterans who are going to be more mature, going to kind of have this one unified goal of getting back to the NCAA tournament. And um, lucky for them, it seems to have worked out. Yeah, you have an article now at the Daily Memphian on Malcolm Dandridge. You call him an X factor. Talk a little bit more about what fans uh, uh, watching for UCF could expect to see from him Friday night. 
Yeah, I think um, obviously those are Penny's words, X Factor. And I, you know, I have to agree a little bit at least. I think, you know, when he was out, the defense in its entirety suffered, right? The Tigers defense suffered. And that's not to say that Malcolm Dandridge is, you know, Shaquille O'Neal, right? In the paint, because he's not. He's a guy who scores six points a game, grabs four point something rebounds a game. But his his mere presence, you know, at 6'9", 260, just being there in the middle, that deters, you know, opponents from going to the paint. That then keeps DeAndre Williams out of foul trouble. Because when DeAndre's at the five, you know, he's not the best rim protector and gets into foul trouble often. Um, it kind of helps everything else. It helps um, the Tigers grab rebounds. So all of a sudden, you got another guy boxing another guy out. So I think those type of things is what Penny Hardaway is alluding to when he says Malcolm Dandridge is an X factor, not necessarily direct impact, but just having his sheer presence out there. What's the health of this team going into this American Athletic Conference championship in Fort Worth? Yeah, they're fairly healthy. Keontae Kennedy um, was ruled out for the remainder of the regular season before that Wichita State game a couple weeks ago. Uh, he punched a wall. He punched a brick wall after the Houston loss out of frustration. Um, it is unclear whether that frustration came from the Houston loss or from his own performance or from you know personal matters, whatever it may be. Um, he went to go see a doctor on Tuesday, and Penny had mentioned that he's not going to be playing in the AAC tournament, NCAA tournament, if they should, you know, if they make it. That's kind of up in the air. So that's really the only hit. They've got Malcolm Dandridge back. They've got Alex Lomax back. I'm sure you recall, you know, Lomax going out in the first overtime of that UCF game in Orlando uh, with a groin strain. So they've got their best on-ball defender back. They've got their big man, like we mentioned, Dandridge. Um, and Kendrick Davis seems to be slowly coming back to form after that ankle twist, um, ankle sprain there. Um, so I'd say, yeah, they're, they're almost at full strength. Yes. You mentioned Houston there. They had a couple of shots at the Cougars in the last couple of weeks of the uh, the conference slate. Uh, close, but just couldn't get over the hump. Yeah, no doubt. I think, um, you know, in that first game, I think both, both games actually, similar themes, right? In different ways, but you put yourself in these holes and then you wake up in the second half and, you know, against a team like Houston, you're not going to be able to just kind of, you know, flip the switch and, you know, pull off a victory. They almost did so in Memphis, you know, on Sunday, but ultimately they couldn't, they couldn't get it done. You know, you put yourself in a 11 point hole in, early in the first half, you allow them to shoot seven threes in the first 20 minutes. This is not going to um, go well for you ultimately, especially against a team like Houston, who, you know, is not the best three point shooting team is not the most fast paced, you know, offensively flashy team. Now you're allowing them to kind of um, broaden their, you know, offensive repertoire even more. Right. Um, and that ends up putting you in holes that can be insurmountable at times. So with Houston leaving for the Big 12, along with Cincinnati and UCF, opportunity here for Memphis to really seize control of the American and be a dominant force in basketball. Certainly. I mean, you would hope, if you're a Memphis fan, you would hope they seize it. You know, you've got FAU coming in, who's respectable, had a great year this year. You've got North Texas. So you've got certain teams that, you know, could give you a run for your money if you're not careful. Um, but I think in a way that you're not in a way directly that that shortens the margin for error for Memphis. You can't go out and, you know, lose three games in conference play. Or you're not going to get in that large bid, quite, you know, quite frankly. And you've got to um, to earn that national respect. You've got to take care of business. You got to almost be perfect, you know, in next year's AAC, in my opinion. What's the mood uh, amongst uh, the fans and the program uh, seeing the departures uh, and all the upheaval now with the American teams moving on to the Big 12? And Memphis not part of that, you know, rumored, of course, and all of the different expansion and realignment talks. 
what's the mood? How would you describe that right now? Do they feel kind of like left out of the of the party? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's not been a huge talking point as of late, just because, you know, people are focused on the here and now and the season and what can be, you know, come Fort Worth and come NCAA tournament time. But definitely in the thick of those talks, you know, when it kind of became finalized that these teams were departing, you know, it's kind of one of those things like, hey, what about us? You know, what about this city and what about this passionate fan base that, you know, really, really cares about these Tigers, despite the Grizzlies being in town and despite it's not being your, you know, traditional college town. The passion is just as much as, you know, anywhere else in the country, quite frankly. So I think that's where they look at it like, hey, you know, we're not bringing in that football money, you know, which is obviously the big revenue driver in college athletics. But, you know, we're showing up for our Tigers in basketball and, you know, we're a team that really cares and we're, you know, in, in their perspective, we're a team that really, um, you know, can move the needle and and have, have shown to in terms of recruiting, in terms of national uh, attention and prestige. So I think that's kind of where the, the aggravation comes in if you're a Tigers fan. All right, we'll wrap up with this. Memphis, for them to win this game, what has to go right for the Tigers on Friday night against UCF? Yeah, they can't turn the ball over. I think, you know, once again, we talked about UCF being, um, and, and I don't know if you would agree with this, but UCF through the ups and downs being a team that, you know, can turn you over. I think they average uh, 15 or something forced turnovers. Again, you can kind of look look that up or don't quote me on that rather, but you know, for the Tigers to win, they, they can't turn the ball over more than, you know, shoot, more than 13 or 14 times. Um, and you've got to be able to guard the perimeter. UCF isn't isn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination at, you know, at shooting threes, but they they chuck them up just as much as anybody. You know, I think they shoot around 24, 25, 26 threes a game, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and if you're Memphis, you've had trouble guarding the perimeter. Um, you know, that could kind of that could kind of be a game changer if you're not hitting them on the other end, if you're the Tigers. So I think those are the two categories that I'll be looking at, certainly. And if you could share your social media so folks can follow you and keep up with you during the game. Absolutely. My Twitter handle is at P-U-P-A-D-H-Y-A-Y-A underscore. That is a mouthful. So I'll say it again. That is at my last name, U-P-A-D-H-Y-A-Y-A underscore. How'd I do with the pronunciation off the top? Man, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. I think, you know, you, I know you were practicing before we kind of started recording here. Um, so if that's your fourth attempt, man, that's, that's not bad. Most people don't get it on the fourth try. So. I appreciate you carving out some time amidst the scheduling. I'm not saying it again, though, Adam. <laughs> I got to say, Trace, that's one of my better interviews. <laughs> I think what was interesting there is what he said about turnovers. Can the Knights force those turnovers? We have already dissected throughout this season what UCF could do, should do, you hope to do, but can they force turnovers and, uh, you know, keep Memphis on its heels? Yeah, look, it'll be a tight game. Uh, when these two teams have played so far, it's obviously come down to the wire both times. I think this one will be one of the margins, right? You know, who can get that, who can get a, a hand on a, on a ball in the passing lane and get a tip pass and get a steal and who can get a block shot. You know, my sense between these two teams is pretty evenly matched. You know, I think they both have that dynamic players on, on the offensive side that you keep those those folks under control. You have a chance to win the game. I think it'll be in the margin. So check rebounding, check, you know, free throw percentage, check, you know, charge, steals, blocks. I think you check the margins and that should portend to who will win the, uh, the game tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, the winner of that game faces the winner of Wichita. Wichita's beating Tulsa, so likely Wichita State against Tulane. And UCF had a close one at Tulane in their only matchup of the season. So 
if things go well, what did you use the term? Hopium. We've got that for at least Hopium. 24 hours and, uh, yeah. and then we'll see where it goes. Uh, my friend John Weiss is preparing an article uh, that he'll have out uh, to us uh, shortly. And uh, I'll send it over to you, Adam, to post on twonightsmedia.com, digging a little bit more into the Memphis Tigers. So I uh, want to thank Parth for joining us and have safe travels to, uh, to Fort Worth. So a little bit of football news that uh, just uh, dropped from UCF football's Twitter account that they have uh, hired Jackson Holiday as a grad assistant on offense and Eugene Fuller, a grad assistant on defense. Holloway follows Darren Hinshaw from UAB. Fuller comes from Fairmont State in West Virginia. So a couple of additions to Coach Malzahn's staff and uh, spring camp getting underway in a little more than a week. Uh, coming up on the 20th is uh, the first day of, of practice when they all stretch for the uh, cameras for a few moments. Um, hoping that next Thursday on Sons of UCF Live, we'll uh, be able to dig in a little bit more on some of the questions going into spring camp. Have a guest uh, to talk about that. So that's something that we will be planning for next week. You guys had another nice guy on the show this week in one Landon Woodson. Yeah, really nice guy, uh, and and he has an interesting story for those who who don't know much about Landon's story. He uh, he got injured in in, uh, in fall camp, and uh, uh, Coach Malzahn offered him an opportunity to kind of stay on the team in a bit of a support role. Um, he wouldn't be playing anymore, obviously, but he kind of have an off the field role. And uh, I thought it was really interesting to hear him describe what that role looks like. And again, put yourself in the shoes of an athlete that's you've done that in your entire life, and all of a sudden now that's all over. And what do you do next? I thought his response, his maturity to what. You know what kind of happened to him? I thought was really great. So here's a, here's a clip from that conversation. Basically, just be there for them. Um, a mentor. Um, show the younger kids the ropes. Um, I had a lot of freshmen on my side, like Jamal Johnson, um, KT Thomas. You know, those were the two new DNs. And really, just put them under my wing and show them the ropes of how school worked, how the football worked. You know, help them with plays because it's just you know, it's, uh, I don't know. It's just. It was a great role because I was able to, you know, still have my locker, um, still be able to, you know, travel with the team, basically a GA, basically just there helping the team where I can, when I can. Again, a really impressive young man uh, who obviously is his time at UCF got cut short from injury, but he was he was there from 2018 to 2022. A lot of interesting conversation, a lot of interesting stories about the coaching changes and what he experienced, too. So wherever you get downloadable content, you can find that one also on our YouTube channel. Uh, just search at Sons of UCF and you'll hear more from Landon and, and Anthony Montalvo and Daryl Mack and uh, Ryan Swoboda and a cast of thousands out there on the pod feed or on the YouTube channel. Did you know that, uh, according to Dolly Drama, commissioner of the Big 12, Brett Yormark, has now subscribed to the uh, Sons of UCF YouTube channel? That's what Dolly is reporting on his uh, Twitter. I have, so. I have a quick story. Sorry. So I was at the uh, the Players Golf Tournament all day today, right? I was actually wearing this exact same hat I have in my head right now. I'm sitting against the bleachers on 17, having a good time, enjoying myself. Some guy walks by and goes, hey, Sons of UCF, I love you guys. So I'm, I'm not surprised to hear that, that Brett Yormark is a fan of ours as well. Uh, when I was heading back from Tallahassee today, I stopped in Gainesville, had lunch with a friend, and he said, is there is there some significance to you guys hitting a 1,000? It's pride. We're driven. <laughs> Other than that, uh, you yes, know, it's, yeah. it's just a number. I promised to pipe down about it. There will be another number, 1,500, maybe, or 1,250, mm, if we ever get we'll to 1,000. Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's switch gears now. Talk a little baseball. Midweek win for the Knights. Uh, they beat uh, North Florida 10-3. We'll talk to our uh, next guest about Dom Stagliano. He picked up the win uh, 
2-0 now. He had a good outing. Tom Joston really had a good outing. A grand slam, two home runs, six RBIs. And uh, what was important is the Knights got off the schneid there after losing two, giving up a lot of runs on Saturday and Sunday to Georgia Southern. And uh, head coach Greg Lovelady told Leo following the game about bouncing back. I mean, it was just good to see the guys get out there, throw well. But it just shows how important starting pitching is. Um, you know, when he sets the tone like that, gives our offense a chance, as potent as our offense is, and just, you know, keep the game close. Like, that's all you need, and we're going to put up some some bunches of runs. So, um... Bunches of runs, indeed. Let's welcome in Stephen Branca, a former Knight and uh, part of the broadcast team on ESPN+. Plus. Stephen, hello. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing well, doing well. Good to see you. Uh, Knights bounce back. Let's let's go. Good to get the midweek win, but let's talk about the weekend. 11 runs in that first inning against Georgia Southern. 19-7 loss, and then they gave up a bunch. What? You were part of that broadcast crew. What happened? Uh, we started talking about random facts a lot sooner than we wanted to. <laughs> uh, it was it was one of those nights that Mark and I are sitting there, and we ended up talking about bubble gum and lollipops or something, <laughs> like by the second inning. So, um it was it was tough to watch. It looked like they Georgia Southern's a really good hitting team as it is. They don't hit for a ton of power, you know. Uh, first baseman Ledford he had some juice, but outside of that, they're really good contact hitting team, and that's what they teach. They teach that type of swing path. They're just trying to find the barrel, put the ball in play, and make things happen. And they did just that. They found holes all over the place. I think it wasn't until like the third inning or something like that they had a hit that was like actually in a gap somewhere, and so uh, they just. They looked like they knew what was coming. They uh, they definitely had uh, had something to where they were just squaring up everything they could and finding hits left and right. Well, you know, Ben Vespi uh, didn't start the season with the Knights, and then he got a win at Clemson, and then he moved into the Saturday slot, and he didn't make it out of the first inning. And I saw it today in releasing the uh, weekend rotation. They've got TBD on Saturday. Yeah, uh, I mean – I know no information at this point. Uh, I'd be surprised if they didn't go back to Vespi after uh, throwing less than an inning. Uh, I, I just – it's one outing. You saw what the kid could do last year. Um, it's first time back in live action. So I, I expect to see him back out there. But who knows? they got to win games at this point. And this Troy team that's coming into town is a really good team. So, Stephen, can we talk about Tom Joseph for a second? Is – is the baseball just looking like a beach ball to him up there right now? What is he doing so well? I mean, he's just on a tear right now. Can you describe as a hitter what that experience is like? Yeah, uh, it definitely looks like a beach ball. Uh, it looks like it's slow motion. Uh, everything that's coming out of the pitcher's hand, you're, you're seeing really, really well. I think part of his success so far is his mentality. I think it's changed a little bit. Uh, in the past, he, he wasn't a 60-year senior, about 27 years old like he is now. And so he uh, he was focused on the draft and really putting a lot of pressure on himself trying to get drafted. And now it's kind of focused. It's shifted now. It's all right. How good can I be to help our team win more so than what do I have to do to get drafted? And I think it's a mentality change that he's had to where now he's able to just play, have fun and really just try to win games. And so when you're you, when your effort changes and your mentality changes like that, it's a big deal. And so. We're seeing a guy that's playing free, having fun, and like you said, the ball's coming in about this big, and he's just not missing at this point. Let's talk about some of the some of the new guys, some of the young guys. Who are the guys that are really impressing you? Obviously, a couple of weeks from the season now, we've seen some consistency out of some of the freshmen or new guys. Who are a couple of names out there that are really sort of impressive to you in terms of what you've seen so far? 
Drew Faroe is the real deal. Um, watching that kid at shortstop is it's wow. Uh, I, I expected him to be good. I didn't expect him to be this good, especially this early. And so it was, uh, it was, it was impressive to see him from both sides of the plate too, having the success that he's having. Uh, and uh, as well as out in the field, I didn't think he'd be as good as he has been out in the field. I think he's only made an error or two so far. And for a freshman shortstop, I mean, that's, that's tough to do. Uh, you get a lot of balls out there, but he is just playing uh, amazing right now. And I talk to every freshman before the season starts, and I always tell them, because it's true, you got to know that you belong, and he knows that he belongs. And so uh, that's just something I try to leave all the freshmen with because it's really hard playing this game of, of failure. It's baseball, but it's failure. I mean, you you fail as a position player more times than not. And so to have that confidence and that understanding that somebody believes in me, I believe in myself, He's doing that right now, and he's he's a very, very, very good player. Speaking of confidence, John Rice Plumley sure has a lot of it. Let's go through Friday, late in the game. Uh, he he saw a moment there, and instincts kicked in, and and he went for it. I, I was close. I, I saw that replay. It seemed pretty close, but that really set things in motion there, late. Yeah, it was. Uh... I actually talked to him after the game and I, I said that that was, that was a ballsy move. That was a dumb, but ball and ballsy move, but it worked. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's insane to, to see. He plays like his hair is on fire. Right. And you're never going to take that away from him. So you got to take the good with the bad with him. Right. He's a great athlete, but he's going to go out there and he's going to play like his hair is on fire. He's going to try to take the extra base. He's going to, He's going to try to steal in situations that it's definitely not necessary, but you know what? Like he's playing hard. He's playing the game the way he knows how. I think if he lets off any of it, uh, he gets worse. And so, like I said, you just take the good with the bad from him right now. And uh, it worked out the other night, which is awesome. And uh, there's situations where it's going to, it's going to bite some people in the butt if he, if he doesn't in the right, in the wrong situation. So trying to get him under control and understanding some of those situations is going to be huge. But like I said, you'll take the good with the bad because it's been much better than it has been on the worst side. So he's been a little inconsistent defensively too. He lost a ball over the weekend and then he had that moment where he didn't hit the cutoff man and tried to make a play at third. And that was, that didn't work. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> He's getting back into game shape, even mentally, and and what are you channeling your inner Gus Malzahn now? He hasn't <laughs> yeah. played in a while. <laughs> I, I, he, he he hasn't played in a while, and you know I, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt when it comes down to it because he he is a really a, a really talented player in a lot of ways. He does miss the cutoff man too often. He's trying to show off the hose every now and then, and needs to put a nozzle on it and. Uh, you know, there's, there's, it's good advice in a lot of situations, Steven. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so try to get him under control in some of those situations. And, uh, I, I think he'll get there. It's just, it's early. This is still his kind of fall, right? When you think about it, it's him getting in, in rhythm with the guys and he's figuring it all out. And I'm just hoping it gets better, uh, in the near future. I think it's, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when spring practice starts at the, the physical uh, appearance of John Rice Plumley, what that's going to look like, because he's going to be practicing in the morning and then trying to play games in the evening. And uh, he, he is the best athlete on the field when he plays, but we'll see what it looks like.
Do you confer with Coach Malzahn on this, or are there talking points that come out with that from athletics about uh, <laughs> getting used to things and he, he hasn't played in a while? There's the there's just the you know the they give us a script so. <laughs> Steven, I feel like this may sound like a dumb question, so I apologize in advance, but okay. how hard is it to play these midweek series? When you're only playing a team for one game, you know, they're in, they're out, then you got to get focused on the weekend series coming up. How hard is it for a team to get focused on that one game midweek, you know, uh, midweek series, uh, you know, week in and week out when you don't have a ton of time to prepare and maybe you don't have a, a ton of film that you're going to watch to kind of get yourself ready for it? Usually at UCF, at this point, the way they're swinging the bats, they'll be on the the – better side of these midweek games because it usually comes down to hitting uh when it comes down to it you're you're looking at a team's fourth or fifth best starter when it comes to a midweek game because they're doing everything they can to win a, a weekend series and so it's going to come down to offense and so it's it, it, UCF's going to be on the the good side of some of these because their offense has been fantastic I mean you even look back to the games they lost against Georgia Southern I mean if you would have told me that they put up that amount of runs in all those games and they lost two out of three, I'd be shocked. And so um, midweek games are tough only because you used as much as you're pitching as you can on the weekend. And so you're just trying to hit your way through it at this point. Yeah, I want to go back to pitching for a second. Um, after the game, Coach Lovelady told Leo that he was going to essentially evaluate his pitching staff, and he said, I'm going to go back, I'm going to watch the film, and I'll make some decisions. Take us behind the curtain a little bit as a coach. What kind of things do you think Coach Lovelady is looking for when he's going back and reviewing film? What kind of things do you think he's trying to determine as he thinks about how he sets his rotation? Yeah, he's going to go back and he's going to look at first pitch strike. Uh, that's a huge stat that, that coaches like to see. Uh, we saw that at Don Stagliano on, on Tuesday. He was at uh, well over 70%, I think it was, on first pitch strike. If you're getting ahead of hitters, that's a, that's a huge sign. A lot of guys don't go in there swinging first pitch, and if they do, you know, they're swinging and missing. And so uh, if you could just pound the zone first pitch, uh, that's what they're looking for. But also he wants to go see mechanically if guys are in sync. You know, is Ben, Ve is ben Vespi in sync right now with who he is as a pitcher? Um, and just trying to figure out if he's ready, if he's, if he's feeling healthy, if he's just saying he's healthy, there's things like that that they'll look at as well. But I think in the end, there's, there's just some mechanical things that they're going to look at with, with those guys, Vespi, Lighter, uh, the guys that kind of struggled on the weekend and see where they're at, make sure that they're in a good spot because the last thing you want to do is throw them out there with, uh, with something out of whack and then eventually an injury comes from that. And so they're going to go back and make sure they keep their guys safe, keep them healthy, but also try to get them back on track at the same time and not throw them out there in a situation they're not ready for. So if they're not linked up the way they should be mechanically, uh, they're going to save them from injury and save them from failure and find somebody else to put in that spot until they get them right. After Saturday's loss, Coach Lovelady said he wanted to go back and look to see if Ben Vespi was perhaps tipping pitches. Explain that to us. Yeah, so a, a lot of times, guys, this is, this is something I, I know pretty well. So guys – will hold the ball in their glove a certain way. Uh, most of the time on an off-speed pitch, say a change-up, you'll see the glove start to widen because they have to get a grip around that ball a little bit more so than they have to just get behind it on the fastball or the slider. Uh, glove angles will change. Arm angles will change based on how they're getting in there to grip the ball. So there's just different things that you can look at. So if, if I have to get around a ball and I'm turning, you'll see your arm starts to move out. Guys will see that type of thing, or your glove starts to widen, glove position changes. I mean, this is something that 
when I was a part of staff, honestly, I, I would I would go back and watch film of pitchers and I would take a picture of what they their set position looked like for a fastball and what their set position would look like for a breaking ball. And I would line them up side by side. And it was like that picture that you did when you were a kid. What What's different between the two pictures? Find the five differences. Right. And so you just go through and you say, all right, this is what looks different to me here and here and make sure it's consistent. And, you know, you go from there. A couple of sound bites I want to play, uh, Adam, uh, from Tom Jostin and Dom Stagliano, the pitcher, on what they hope to do this coming weekend against Troy. Obviously, you know, we hope to win every game. That's our, that's a team goal. Um, myself, you know, any way I can help the team win, that's the biggest thing. You know, regardless of the role I come in, is just winning the game. That's the biggest thing. Yeah, I mean, we just got to play complete games. We got we to gotta put it together all on the same day. It doesn't matter if we score a lot of runs or little runs. We got to score more than the other team. So we just got to play good baseball, keep playing well. I think we're heading in the right direction. I'm confident with our team. So just got to play good ball. What do you like about Dom Stagliano? Six innings, three hits, one run, one earn, 2K, 60 pitches. Pretty efficient outing. Yeah, he was mixing really well, and he was down in the zone. Um, he, he he wasn't afraid to throw any of his pitches in any count. He would start guys off with the breaking ball. He'd start him off with a changeup, start him off with a fastball. It didn't matter what count it was. He was confident throwing all three pitches, and he was throwing them all for strikes. And so – he was just in there competing against guys. And that's what he does really, really well is he mixes his pitches and competes because he's he's not going to – you don't see the radar gun lighting up at 95 when he gets up there, but he is a guy that's got three quality pitches on him, and he goes in there and he throws them for strikes, and he just – he competes. He really wants to win. As you heard him say, I mean, we're trying to win, and, and he really wants that. He's a hungry type of guy. He's got a lot of fire to him. And, and so he doesn't show that emotion on the mound, but it's in him, and, and he shows it through his pitching, so. Steven, we saw obviously the Clemson series. There was some talk afterwards about UCF's celebrations, right, and some of the things they did. There was a social media post after the Georgia Southern game about UCF doing the same thing. As as someone who's played baseball your entire life, do you have any problem with the way the UCF team sort of celebrates and kind of roots each other on? Do you see any issue with what you're seeing that team do? No, no. Look, here's (laughs) the thing is, all right, I want to preface this first. If you don't like it, play better. Right. If you don't want somebody to do it to you, then play better. If I hit a home run that goes 500 feet, I'm going to flip my bat and I'm going to watch it for a second because I did my job. I did what I was supposed to do. Right. You lost. I won this battle and now we move on. And so if you don't like it, play better. But also, why do we have to go back to this gentleman's game and this old school tendency where you can't show any emotion when you play and all that. Like, no, I want to see guys fired up. I want to see them celebrate when they get a double. I want to see them celebrate when they strike somebody out to end the inning. Like I want to see that emotion because it means it matters to you. It means it matters to you. It doesn't mean, Oh, act like you've been there before. Yeah, I have been there before. And I just did it again to you. Like (laughs) that's, that's what I want to see. I want to see guys who play with passion, play with heart and really like, that's what college athletics is about, right? Like it's the passion because I mean, before NIL, there was no money involved. And so like it was, this is what you had. It was pride. It was about the the logo that you're wearing on your chest, right? It's, it's, it's just that pride and that, that emotion. And, and that's what I love about college athletics is you have a sense of pride and a sense of family in that dugout that it's like, you know, this is, this is what it's all about. And you play 56 games, you get one run at it, and, and you know what? Like, you're giving it everything you got. Like, show that emotion. I, I got nothing wrong with it. Of course, that cuts both ways because Georgia yeah. Southern dropped a couple of booms on Saturday and Sunday in their wins over UCF. 
and they could do that. Absolutely. You hit a ball out of the ballpark and you want to mimic what we do because you're jealous. Go ahead, do it. Like, that's fine. You know what I mean? You don't have your own thing. So, uh, but it's not against them. It's just like, I get it. Okay, great. You want to rub it in our face. Now you, you did that. Great. Come up with your own thing. But at the same time, like we lost that. So what? Like, you don't like it, play better. It's, it's really simple, right? If I'm playing to the best of my ability and I want to show some emotion, I can do that. You can't say anything about it. You don't like it. It's because you're not up to my level. Uh, Troy this weekend, 6-4-1, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Florida State midweek for a pair on Tuesday at 6 and Wednesday at 4. What, what do you think out of this uh, next five games that you want to see from the Knights? They got a tough test ahead of them. I mean, I, it's 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 going to be tough. I mean, I, I was watching film on the, the starters that they got throwing. Um, they got some good pitchers that are that are going to pitch the first couple of days, Friday, Saturday. Uh, the guy on Saturday is 93 to 95 with his fastball. Big old kid at like 6'5 or whatever he is. And they got guys, I mean, I think they had about 30 homers or something going in the year just or going into the series just like UCF does. So offensively, they swing it too. Uh, it's going to be a tough test. So they're going to have to be firing on all cylinders. They're going to have to be able to pitch like they, they can and like they, you know, kind of promoted in the fall like this is what we have and they're going to have to keep hitting the way that they're hitting um but i think it's whoever pitches best is going to get it done because both offenses are on fire right now i hope you don't need it because ucf's taking care of business but if there's a you know an 11 run outburst you need some useless party trivia come to the sons of ucf there's all sorts of little miscellaneous factoids Uh, adam and mike are doing movie reviews on their show now 30-year-old movies they're reviewing. So, you know. Well, what's your favorite baseball movie? Oh, man. Man. Um, I always grew up watching Bull Durham, so that was probably the most realistic when it came to what minor league baseball is actually like. Uh, But then I I do like – man, there's a couple that are good, but I'm going to stick with Bull Durham. It's probably the best. Mm. One more question for you. What do you think of this uh, pitch clock? that Major League Baseball is experimenting with here in spring training. I think it's really- I guess it's coming over into the season too, right? Yeah, it's going to come over into everywhere. And, you know, I think it's just going to happen in too many big situations where obviously they're going to adapt and they'll figure it out. But, like, it, how much time is it really taking off of watching a baseball game? And here's the thing is if, if you don't like it at, at three and a half hours, you're not going to watch it at 2.45 either, you know? like So – it, it really doesn't make any difference. Just let them, let them play the game. It's, and I see guys like Max Scherzer trying to, to manipulate it a little bit, and he's standing on the mound and, until the guy steps out, and the second he steps back in, he's throwing it. and you know. But then he gave up like 11 runs or something like that after whatever it was. So it, it doesn't make any difference. So just, let, just let them play and watch them at their best and just, just let them go. Bubblegum, lollipops, and Stephen Branca. Catch him on ESPN Plus over the weekend. Stephen, thanks for being with us on Suns Live. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks, David. Right. Talk to you again. Softball uh, drops a midweek, uh, 3-0 at number eight, Florida. They're 10-13 and 13 overall. Of course, they've had a lot of, you know, road trips. They've been out west, and they've played a lot of tough teams, but they've been inconsistent, especially with pitching. Get a good pitching outing, and then they don't get any runs. Uh, they're back home they got Toledo, Kennesaw State, North Dakota, and then a pair with Rutgers uh, midweek. So 
chance to get back over on the right side of things and maybe creep back into the rankings. Let's go around the kingdom before we unleash some hot takes. Uh, women's basketball, their season ended. Uh, they lost 48-46 uh, second round. Uh, they had upset Tulsa uh, 69-53 in the first round. Uh, they let this one get away, too. They finished 14-15. and 15. A lot of these games they led half, third quarter. Uh, so City of Mester's uh, Satya Messers, first season, 14 and 15 in a re rebuilding situation with Coach Abe and uh, moving on to Georgia. Uh, volleyball has announced its European tour. And where do they find the money for this one? I wonder, as we talk about resources. Never get that lazy river, Trace. Yeah. Uh, Czech Republic, Slovenia, Hungary, Italy, June 7th through 18th. Uh, that's a little bit better than Lubbock and Waco and Manhattan, uh, where they will travel to in the fall so a little bonding in the post mckenna melville era and good luck to junior renai jones ncaa division one indoor track and field championships this weekend in albuquerque she is competing in the 60 meter hurdles so good luck to her and she represents ucf very well all right hot takes fire up the hot take um, time hot take time here we go hot take time number one jp gilbert the warren commission got it wrong trace i need i know do you think this is a hot take or do you agree with this take? No, I, 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 I do not subscribe to his brand of paranoia. This doesn't mean they didn't get it wrong, though. I mean, there's a lot of things to consider. I talked about on the show this week how I've always wanted to go to Dallas to visit uh, that that particular site. Uh, I have not yet had a chance to go there. there it, it could mean they got something wrong, Trace. I mean, I will tell you, I've been to D Daily Plaza, and uh, when you go up in that book okay. depository, <laughs> I didn't expect that sound effect at that. Um, <laughs> when you go up uh, in that book depository, you can stand right where allegedly uh, Lee Harvey Oswald uh, stood. And Whoa, what do you mean allegedly? He wasn't there? Well, I don't know. It depends, uh. JP. By the way, JP analyzed a screenshot today of uh, men's basketball on the, the dry erase <laughs> yeah, board. That was good. That was yeah, good. so he's trying to decipher what it says on there. So uh, The only anyway, answer yeah. I had with this, on the pod this week, Mike talked about his experience going there, and he said he went up to the window, and he said, that's an easy shot. Anybody could have made that one. So I don't know. Do with that what you will. I'm not sure if that means well, the Warren Commission. Is, what was uh, the movie right review about. this week, by the way? I forget. What was the... What Jerry was the, Maguire. Jerry Maguire. Yeah. You know, I... When you announced that you were doing that, <laughs> I got to—I don't know why. I've been listening to you guys for years. I don't know why that I thought you were going to watch the movie in the week oh, no. <laughs> and then review it when you record. Yeah. Instead, the two of you were trying to remember lines yeah. and plot points <laughs> from movies that you maybe saw I mean, 10 years Mike, ago. Mike or... can't even make it to the show, Trace. Do you think I'm going to get him to spend two hours watching Feel the Dreams on a Thursday? That's not going to work out. All right. Two letters, two words. UCF basketball will advance past the second round of the conference tournament. Obviously, right now we are in round one. We've gone to the second round. So, uh, Robert, I guess, portends that we will beat Memphis Trace. Is this a good hot take or a bad hot take? I think it's a great hot take. I don't necessarily think it's going to happen, but I think it's a great hot take. Which goes next over the next one, too. <laughs> you're, you're predicting a loss. Uh, yeah, I, I see no reason to expect them to do differently than what we've seen throughout the year. I, I'm sorry. I don't have the opium lasts only so long. I've been watching them all year long. I, I just yeah. expect something to go haywire at the end. Well, there's hopium and then there's opium, Trace, because CFB mm -hmm. Knights thinks that we will win 
the championship this season. I think I can just hit that button for you right now. No, I'm just kidding. That's the one we want to hit. There's very, very, very slim chance that we win the uh, conference tournament. Do you agree with that? No, there's no, there's no chance. There's a better chance that they beat Memphis, but <laughs> not beat Houston. Unger to Unger takes us to the Wayback Machine. Taylor Hendricks goes all Antonio McDice in the AAC tournament and skyrockets up draft boards, becoming a top eight pick. Trice, do you do you have any recollection of the great career of former NBA star Antonio McDice? Some recollection. I do okay. not think this this happens, however. Hmm. I, I, I hope it does because that means obviously he's got the dog in him, right? He took uh, he took UCF to great heights. I still think he's going to be a pretty uh, a pretty sought after prospect. I think that fifteen to twenty five range is where he's at. I don't know if he gets up to top eight though. That may be a bit aggressive. Agreed. You agree? Okay, good. Uh, James Du with a bunch of numbers afterwards <laughs> that I'm not going to read. Uh, do we give up on basketball going into next year because we will get rocked in the Big Twelve, or do we try to salvage? And does this decision depend on if Taylor Hendricks stays? So basically, I think James Du with a bunch of numbers is asking: Without Taylor, are we going to be in a tough spot next year, Trace? Do you agree with this hot take? Is this a good hot take? With or without Taylor, uh, they got their work cut out for them. <laughs> You know, I was saying to Jason Beattie, the Orlando Sentinel at the game on Sunday, can the Knights win five games in this Big 12? Uh, Maybe you split with Cincinnati. Maybe you get a BYU. Where are the other wins? Maybe it's Virginia's a little down right now. I don't know where they're at. That's that's a tough one. That's a tough one. How about Britt Yormark, by the way? He's talking about we've been mentioning Gonzaga, but he's, he's saying that, you know, maybe a Seton Hall or, or something. Mm. He's talking about adding. Yeah. I like how UConn got thrown into the mix uh, in, in that. Uh, but they well. were very clear, basketball only. <laughs> the Big yes. 12 wants no part of UConn football. They were very clear about that. But I think it's interesting. He's, uh, this. Uh, you brought a golf day. I don't know if you saw uh, the statement from AAC Commissioner, our, our good friend, friend of the program, yes. uh, Mike Oresco, saying, stop it with all this power and non-power this is the guy that rebranded power six for years right so what is he saying now uh it, it's funny brent yarmark though is really he's he he comes at it from a different perspective right he's not that traditional athletic director that's worked his way up through the ranks so he's uh he's been a breath of fresh air so far UCF not. Since Colorado is confirmed to be a Big 12 member, it's time to go full space, Trace. No. Go Knots. Uh, yes, go Knots. No, terrible. No? Terrible. Horrible. Horrible. And I assume he's saying this because Colorado has a very similar scholar, color scheme to UCF. Is that what the... What the yeah. The, okay. So he wants yeah, us I to mean, be powder blue. I got it, yeah. No. I, again, for the record, I'm fine mm-hmm. with this Citronaut stuff once a year. For every sport, tennis can wear it, golf can wear it. That's fine. Sell it. Get the merch out there. But a full rebrand? Absolutely no. Hugh C. Hef, Terry Mahajer needs to take a master class from Danny White on how to market and fundraise. I'm going to agree with that one. You know, we exchanged messages, and I had some travel this week, so chasing all of this down uh, was difficult with work. But my friend uh, Paul covers Tulane women's basketball does the radio broadcasts and uh, they had the late game and he said you know your band's not even here yet and we're in, in the in the into the second quarter of the game and I said well, that's interesting right and uh, and then he said I don't even think they're playing 
your fight song. They just seem to have stuff coming out of the speakers. And so I mess with someone I know with a band and yeah, the jamming nights were not on that trip. And, and it turns out that, uh, so I asked the AAC, um, you know, who, who supplies the band? He says, that's up to the team. They got to have a band there. They got to have a mascot there. It was like UCF hired a high school band mm. <laughs> to play. And the men's team took a commercial flight when they left the other day for Fort Worth. So I know we have a split in this fan base, especially with Mike, not here to defend himself about resources, but can't even send the Jammin' Knights to, to Fort Worth to cheer on the, the men and the women in the conference championships. Come on. Come on now. Last one. Lonely B. Pools are better than beaches, Trace. The hottest of all hot takes. Mario is going to pro pool anti-beach. Mm, they're very different. It does, it, does it suggest that you have the pool? You have a pool or you got to go? I mean, I, 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 um, yeah, dealer's choice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Pools are better than beaches. This is a thousand percent the right take. Yeah. yeah. The amount of, I think I've talked about this on the show, the amount of effort it takes to go to the beach alone, it makes me exhausted, right? Having to find parking, having to lug all that stuff on the sand, the sand is boiling hot, finding a spot, putting the thing in the ground for the umbrella, the chairs. I mean, it's like a, you know, it, it's a, it's an orchestra, it's like a wedding. It's like an orchestrated event. I don't have time for that. Let me get in the pool, let me get my drink, and I'm good to go. So this is a thousand percent. Mario is, is right about a lot of things. This may be his best take ever. Mario is right about a lot of things. We yes. should uh, we should do some sort of ranking, uh, maybe a top five. Uh, for top five. What are we doing? Of, uh, top five uh, best, most accurate on Twitter. Ooh, wow! Uh, last time I tried to rank the top top five listeners, you know, I, I think we had nine on there. You left, so, you um, left out a couple. <laughs> I did leave out that. a couple. Yeah, that was unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, you know, right. I, I, I take... I've been starting to. You know, JP gets under my skin about the Johnny Dawkins stuff, but I'm, I, I think I'm going to start tracking what I agree with. I vehemently disagree with him on the Citronauts, but he's decidedly anti-Oresco. So that's one I tend to, you know, I like uh, his, his posts on Twitter. So I, I got to start paying attention uh, to JP's takes and see how many of them I agree with. So, all right, what's your final prediction? UCF Memphis, and uh, are you doing a show on Monday where you talked about AAC champions UCF? <laughs> Um, probably notable, Trace. Uh, I, uh, unfortunately, I think this one, uh, potentially ends our season. I'm going to go Memphis on this one. Yeah. Until, until they show me otherwise, uh, they, they struggle with Memphis and I know those games were close this year, but got to get over the hump, got to win those games. So want to thank our guest Parth from, uh, the daily Memphian, of course, Stephen Branca for being with us. We missed UCF Mike this week, uh, men's basketball on uh, Friday night. And, uh, I want to thank all of you for joining Adam and I for the Sons of UCF Live. Adam, have a good rest of your week and weekend, and I'll catch you here. Same time. I'll be in St. Louis, though. I've got a work trip, so we're going to mm. play fun with hotel Wi-Fi uh, as I join you next week uh, from the Central Time Zone for Sons of UCF Live, but 8 o'clock Eastern next Thursday. Go Knights! We'll be there. We'll be there, Trace, and uh, here's, uh, here's a goodbye for you all. I'm Jazz Williams from UCF Softball. Thanks for watching Sons of UCF. Another super nice. Sports Social Podcast Network.